There's two things I want to deal with in Daniel. The first thing is signs and wonders. Uh, and what is the point? We see them in Daniel chapter 4. Uh, we're seeing them happen today. And so what, what is the point? We're going to talk about that. The second thing uh, is what was God up to in the midst of this entire story? Because there seems to be almost a bigger story going on in Daniel chapter 4. And I want to talk about it. Um, I want to invite you into a very, very simple reality, a simple thought this morning. It's not a new idea. It's actually the Lord's original design. Um, you have the opportunity as a believer to stand before the most high God and he'll look at you and say, I know you. And you'll look back at him and you'll say, I know you. We were designed for one purpose in life and that's to display and reflect the glory of God through friendship and intimacy with him. And I believe that's the story that we're actually going to step into in Daniel chapter 4. God's relentless pursuit towards Nebuchadnezzar. I can read the story and think to myself, man, what's going on here? Why are you just, you're choosing to show yourself through Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But man, I want to be so clear. The Lord was passionately after the Babylonian people. He was after Nebuchadnezzar's heart to know and be known by God. So Daniel chapter 4, I'm going to read the first three verses. We'll unpack a little bit. And then we'll, we'll, we're actually going to read the whole chapter. It's a story. And so it makes more sense to read the whole thing. So Daniel chapter 4, verse 1, this is what it reads. King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how powerful his wonders, his kingdom will last forever, his rule throughout all generations. And I think there's something bigger going on. Nebuchadnezzar has already experienced the supernatural signs and wonders of God. We read about it in chapter 2 and 3. In chapter 2, he has a dream and he wakes up, he's frightened, he can't sleep. So he calls in all the wise men of Babylon, the, the enchanters, the fortune tellers, and he says, hey, tell me my dream because I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do with it. And none of them can, can, can tell him his dream. So he, he gets super angry and says, I'm going to kill every single wise man in Babylon, Daniel included. So Daniel gets with his friends, he gets on his face, and he cries out for mercy from the Lord. The Lord downloads the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had to Daniel. Daniel goes and shares it with him. So Nebuchadnezzar experienced the prophetic. He looks at Daniel and says, man, your God has to be real. I didn't even tell you the dream. In chapter 3, he tries to murder Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego by throwing them into the furnace. And he watches God with his own eyes perform the supernatural. He watches it. He sees it. He kills two of his men along the way. So Nebuchadnezzar is actually familiar with the supernatural of God, the signs and wonders. It impacted him so much that he sends a message to the whole world. Hey, this is the most high God. He performs signs and wonders for me. So here's what I want us to think about and consider. If we look at the surrounding gods and religions during that time, they all believed that their God performed things for them as well. Marduk being uh, the Babylonian national God for Babylon, they believed that he did things for them as well. Even today, most religions will believe that their God performs things for them. So what is the difference for you and I? There has to be something else going on. Since the beginning of time, God's original design was that he would be with creation. He would be with you and I, and we would be intimate with him to know 
and be known by God. There's a prophet named Jeremiah. Jeremiah is alive during King Josiah's time. We talked about King Josiah early in Daniel chapter one. He would have heavily influenced Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being a part of the royal family in Judah. And Jeremiah receives a word from the Lord. Jeremiah 9, 24. This is what he says. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and they understand that I'm the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. See, we serve a God who has uniquely handcrafted every single individual on this earth and he is passionately after your heart. That's the story that I believe we read with Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter four. If I'm not careful, I can read this story and think to myself, wow, Lord, you are really harsh or you only chose to display yourself through Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But the reality is the Lord was passionately after the Babylonian people. He wanted to know who they were. So much so that he allows his kids to be placed in captivity. He didn't want Nebuchadnezzar just to know him as a God who performs signs and wonders for him. He offers him something different. He wanted to know Nebuchadnezzar as personal, intimate friend. I would actually suggest the book of Daniel is more geared towards Nebuchadnezzar. He's in the story an awful lot for a pagan king. So Daniel chapter 4, I'll be in verse 4. I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture. It'll be on the screens as well. We'll unpack a little bit of it in the, in the middle, and then we'll finish. So Daniel chapter 4. Is what it reads. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity. But one night I had a dream that frightened me. I saw a vision that terrified me as I lay in bed. So I issued an order calling in all the wise men of Babylon so that they could tell me what my dream meant. When all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers came in, I told them the dream, but they could not tell me what it meant. At last, Daniel came in before me, and I told him the dream. He was named Belteshazzar after my God and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said to him, Belteshazzar, chief of the I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too great for you to solve. Now tell me my dream and what it means. While, Dan, while I was lying in my bed, this is what I dreamed. I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth. The tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and it was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. All the world was fed from this tree. Then as I lay there dreaming, I saw a messenger, a holy one coming down from heaven. And the messenger shouted, cut down the tree and lop off its branches, shake off its leaves and scatter its fruit, chase the wild animals from its shade and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump and the roots in the ground bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. Now let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the wild animals among the plants of the field. For seven periods of time, let him have the mind of a wild animal instead of the mind of a human. For this has been decreed by the messengers. It is commanded by the holy ones so that everyone may know that the Most High rules over the kingdom of the world. He gives them to anyone he chooses, even to the lowliest of people. Belteshazzar, that was the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now tell me what it means, for none of the wise men of my kingdom can do so. But you can tell me, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. 
Upon hearing this, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, was overcome for a time, frightened by the meaning of the dream. Then the king said to him, Belteshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. Belteshazzar replied, I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, my lord, and not to you. The tree you saw was growing very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. That tree, your majesty, is you. For you have grown strong and great. Your greatness reaches up to the heaven and your rule to the end of the earth. Then you saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump and the roots in the ground bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the animals of the field for seven periods of time. This is what the dream means, your majesty. And what the Most High has declared will happen to the Lord, my King. You will be driven from human society, and you will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow, and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. But the stump and roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. But all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, he was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. As he looked out across the city, he said, Look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. I want to pause for a second and think about something. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone. That they truly know me. See, when you truly know God and you stand before him as intimate friend, this is not a phrase that you would typically use. Nebuchadnezzar stands on top of his palace. He looks at this massive empire, the world's largest empire that he built, and he talks about me, myself, and I. He understands the strength and power and the supernatural of God, but he has not yet stepped in with, with the Lord as intimate friend. I would actually suggest it's possible to be familiar with the signs and wonders of God, to be familiar with the supernatural, but to not even know who he is. This is where Nebuchadnezzar stands. And I can read the rest of the story and think to myself, wow, Lord, like it just seems harsh because it gets, it gets really, really bad for Nebuchadnezzar in just a minute. The Lord takes away everything from Nebuchadnezzar. Because he understood strength, he understood signs and wonders and, and the power of God, but the Lord breaks him down to the stump and roots of who he is as a person because he wants to stand before Nebuchadnezzar and say, hey, I know you. And he wants Nebuchadnezzar to look back and say, hey, I know you. And before he could even finish his sentence, the Lord intervened. So verse 31, while these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals, and you will eat grass like a cow. 
Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. That same hour, the judgment was fulfilled and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow and he was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird claws. After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity returned, and I praised and worshipped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting, and his kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? When my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and my glory and kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored as head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. Let's pray really quick. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would give fresh insight. God, we stand here, we fully believe that your scripture is breathed out by you, it's alive. So we just ask that you would speak so loud, so clear. We love you, we honor your name in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me. The word that the Lord uses to Jeremiah to know in the Hebrew is yada, and it means to know or to learn to know. And I love the phrase that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego use in chapter 3. So Nebuchadnezzar builds this massive idol, and he says, hey, one last chance. You can bow down to it, or I'm going to kill you. And I love what they say, chapter 3, verse 17. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. What they were actually declaring in that moment to Nebuchadnezzar was, we're not actually concerned with what God can do for us. He's God and he can do what he wants. He's able. But at the end of the day, we know who he is and we're okay with that. Think about that for a second. We just sung, I will praise before my breakthrough. They were actually declaring things break through before they ever saw anything. And it cost them everything. It was their life. See, the world's most powerful leader was so infatuated with what God could do for him. He watched it twice. God even gave him a year after this vision. And he stands on top of his palace and he kind of flexes who he is. He may have even honored the gods in that moment. But God wanted to know Nebuchadnezzar's heart. He had never been offered that before. I think if if we're not careful as people, we can become so infatuated with what God can do for us, his manifestation, right? And we forget who God is inside of us, personal, intimate, friend. See, Jesus deals with the same thing a couple hundred years later from Nebuchadnezzar's time. Matthew chapter 7 He says this in verse 22, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed many miracles in your name, but I will reply, 
I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. That statement as a young person who's pursuing the Lord absolutely shakes my bones that I would become so wrapped up in what I can do for God or what he can do for me that I would miss the entire point. Think about it for a second. His original design was to be intimate and close with you. That was his design for Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 4. That's the invitation this morning. That you and I as believers, we get to stand before the most high God and with other people and he looks down at you and he's not saying, hey, come on, what do you have? What are you going to do for me? What are you going to do? No, no, no. We get to stand before the most high God who was, who is, who is to come. And he looks at us and says, man, I know you. And you get to look back and say, I know you. I'm an intimate friend. There's a Psalms that has kind of been the core of who we are as a family. It's Psalms 25, 14. It says, friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who would fear him. And with them, he shares or makes known the secrets of his covenant. The same word that the Lord used to Jeremiah, yada, to know or to learn to know, is in Psalms 25. That's the invitation this morning. Oh my goodness, if we could actually believe that and buy into that, everything changes. It's beautiful. The only reason I'm saying this is because I'm convicted. There are so many times that I perform for the Lord or I, I, I work for him or, or I try and gain his approval or sometimes I say to him, hey, I need this or else this won't happen. Oh my goodness, I missed the point. See, I get to stand before God as intimate friend. Oh my goodness, that has to be enough. That was his original design. That's what he set up for you and I. So when you go to work tomorrow and you feel like your life doesn't have a purpose because you just work in the marketplace and you're just doing your thing, you get to stand amongst coworkers, managers, employees, and God, the most high God, the biggest God who is holy, he's massive. Oh my goodness. You stand before him though. And his invitation is I'm, I'm going to call you intimate friend and I personally know you. And you get to say the same thing. I love the sign and wonder. I think we should pray for it. I think it should become a regular prayer. And we're seeing them happen today. We're seeing people healed. We've prayed for cancer and it's been healed. We've prayed for sickness. We've prayed for marriages. We have seen things happen. God is moving today, right now. But the point in all of it, the reason that he's choosing to move is so that we could stand before him. Oh my goodness. And he'd say, son, daughter, I know who you are. I want to encourage you this morning, this, this afternoon, to not be a people who chase after signs and wonders or who even cry out for them as evidence of his approval or his love, but to be a people who would just step into his original invitation, his original design, 
Whether you have walked with the Lord for 50 years or for five minutes, it is the same invitation. You stand before God and he looks at you as intimate friend. That's what I see in Daniel chapter four. Not a God who's harsh. Man, I read this and think, goodness, it just, wow. He wanted to know Nebuchadnezzar. That's the invitation this morning, to know and be known by the Most High God. Stand with me, let's pray.